Hey everyone, it's Father Pat, here today to offer you my reflections on the scripture readings for today. Our readings for today are from the fifth Sunday of Easter, a reading from the Acts of the Apostles. As the number of disciples continued to grow, the Hellenists complained against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So the twelve called together the community of the disciples and said, It is not right for us to neglect the word of God to serve at table. Brothers, select from among you seven reputable men, filled with the Spirit and wisdom, whom we shall appoint to this task, whereas we shall devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The proposal was acceptable to the whole community, so they chose Stephen, a man filled with faith in the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas of Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid hands on them. The word of God continued to spread, and the number of the disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly. Even a large number of priests were becoming obedient to the faith. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our response, Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. Exult you just in the Lord. Praise from the upright is fitting. Give thanks to the Lord on the harp. With the ten-stringed lyre, chant his praises. Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. Upright is the word of the Lord, and all his works are trustworthy. He loves justice and right. Of the kindness of the Lord, the earth is full. Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. See, the eyes of the Lord are upon those who fear him, upon those who hope for his kindness, to deliver them from death and preserve them in spite of famine. Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. A reading from the first letter of St. Peter. Beloved, come to him, a living stone, rejected by human beings, but chosen and precious in the sight of God. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it says in scripture, Behold, I am laying a stone in Zion, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in it shall not be put to shame. Therefore its value is for you who have faith. But for those without faith, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that will make the people stumble, and a rock that will make them fall. They stumble by disobeying the word as is their destiny. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own, so that you may announce the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You have faith in God. Have faith also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If there were not, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again and take you to myself, so that where I am, you also may be. Where I am going, you know the way. Thomas said to him, Master, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, then you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Master, 
Show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you for so long a time, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you I do not speak on my own. The Father who dwells in me is doing his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe because of the works themselves. Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do, and will do greater ones than these, because I am going to the Father. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. My experience with acorns is somewhat limited and not all that pleasant. There are little things on the ground that if I walk on them really hurt my feet. Appearances and experiences can be deceiving, though. There's much more to an acorn than meets the eye, or my aching arches. An acorn is the nut produced by the oak tree and contains a seed that under the right conditions can grow into a majestic new oak tree. Acorns were a dietary staple in a number of ancient cultures. and Several species of birds, uh, small mammals including mice and squirrels, and larger animals such as deer, bears, and pigs continue to consume acorns as a significant part of their diets. I discovered recently, however, that the lowly acorn also has made itself useful by lending its image to a psychological concept. The acorn theory is attributed to psychologist James Hillman from his best-selling book, The Soul's Code. Hillman wades into the classic nature versus nurture debate in human personality development, proposing that just as the entirety of a future mighty oak's existence is contained in a tiny acorn, so too a human person's calling and destiny is inborn, and it is the individual's mission in life to realize his or her unique vocation, thus leading to personal happiness and fulfillment. While Hillman goes so far as to assert that the world's greatest leaders, as well as history's greatest serial killers, are born and not bred, which would conflict with Catholic theology of the Catholic theology of free will and redemption, the image in itself is an, is an interesting one for us to use to ponder on the church's pilgrim journey. Three weeks ago, our first reading described the early Christian community in almost utopian terms. The disciples of Jesus lived together in perfect harmony, no one claiming any personal possessions, everyone praying and working together to build the kingdom. Today's first reading, which again describes the early Christian community in Jerusalem, but now sometime later, reveals some trouble in paradise. The growing Christian community has two main groups, the Jerusalem disciples, who grew up in Judea or Galilee, or some part of the original kingdom of Israel, speak Aramaic, and closely follow Jewish ceremonial and legal customs. Then there are the Hellenists, also Jews, but who are from the various lands of the Diaspora, North Africa or Persia or Asia Minor, where their ancestors settled after the Assyrian and Babylonian exiles. They speak Greek, and while they consider themselves faithful Jews, they are less traditional in their observance of the faith because they have been so distant from Jerusalem. They are all Jewish, and they all believe Jesus is the Messiah, but that's where their similarities end. It's like putting a lifelong Long Islander who has never ventured further south than North Jersey in a new community with a person who was born and raised in Bessemer City, North Carolina. They may both be Americans, but otherwise they go together like oil and water. So the church, which doesn't yet see itself as distinct from Judaism, is having growing pains. The apostles realized that the Hellenists 
have a legitimate beef about neglect of the Greek-speaking widows. And frankly, if the community is going to grow, they have to let go of the reins a little bit. So they pick seven men, presumably most of whom speak Greek, and they lay hands on them, empowering them to minister to the needs of the people on behalf of the entire community. The laying on of hands is not just a symbolic gesture. The apostles prayed that the Holy Spirit bestow special gifts upon the seven so that they could do whatever was necessary in Jesus' name. The church recognizes some special gifts in these seven acorns, which, with the help of God's grace, would allow the gospel to be proclaimed. And what is the result? The author tells us. He says, The word of God continued to spread, and the number of the disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly. The Holy Spirit's power was not meant to be restricted to only a few. Like their material possessions, which they generously share, the spiritual gifts are also abundantly bestowed and distributed for the benefit of everyone, that is, the whole world. And the apostles didn't just dream up this idea. In his final pep talk to his friends before his death, Jesus tells them that the Holy Spirit is going to rock their world. First, Jesus talks about the place he is going to prepare for each of them in his Father's kingdom. The group has some very practical questions, though. Namely, how do we get there, and what is the Father like? Jesus answers very simply, if you know him, meaning if you know Jesus, you know the Father. And to claim your place in the kingdom, you have to follow him, because he is the way, the truth, and the life. Now, although his friends don't explicitly ask this, Jesus senses that they're a little anxious about following him. After all, his hints about what is coming in the near future are kind of intimidating. They're not so sure they're capable of living up to what he is asking them to do. And so while the disciples are still wrestling with what Jesus means when he says, I am in the Father and the Father is in me, Jesus actually says something much more earth-shaking when he says, Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do and will do greater works than these. Wait, what? Hold on to your hats. Whoever believes in Jesus will do what Jesus does? And Jesus does what the Father does and wants him to do? So the Father is in Jesus, and Jesus is in the Father. But Jesus also seems to be saying that by faith, Jesus is in them and working through them? This is life-changing. In the second reading, Peter gives us a powerful image to help us understand it a bit better. He actually steals an Old Testament image of God that appears in the Law, the Prophets, and the Psalms. God as the rock. A rock is firm, strong, unmoving, and is the foundation on which we can stand. And so Jesus, the Son of God, is the rock, the cornerstone on which the church is built. But the church isn't just a foundation, just a cornerstone. It is built up into a kingdom through us. As Peter tells us, like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We are built into this spiritual house through the Holy Spirit, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, as we hear in the Nicene Creed, through all the sacraments, beginning at baptism, when we first receive faith as a supernatural gift. The stones laid upon the foundation of a building are not weaker stones or of lesser quality, right? They are the same. In fact, in a certain way, those um, higher stones are stronger because they're supported by the foundation and the other stones. There was a young man with Down syndrome named William who used to serve Mass with me frequently. He believed firmly that he was a priest, 
to the point that he would tell me so. And at the end of Mass, he would give me a blessing. I wish we all had William's innocent but firm resolve. Each person has a unique role in the body of Christ. We're not all called to do the same things in the same way, but rather to proclaim the gospel as a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own. But like William, we need to have faith. For the church to fulfill its mission, it's up to us spiritual acorns to open ourselves to the Holy Spirit and become who we are created to be. And praise God, we will have a very different church, a very glorious church indeed. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Happy Easter, have a great day, and say a prayer for me.